0: Water. Beat to the of water. Today I'm speaking with Rose McAdoo of Whisk Me Away Cakes. And yes, I said cakes. Rose is a visual artist who uses cakes to raise awareness about global issues, including environmental protection. Her work has received attention on national public radio, Forbes Magazine, and New York Magazine. Welcome, Rose. Let me start by asking about where you grew up and whether you come from a family of artists or bakers. I didn't grow up in a family of artists
1: or bakers in the sense that that was part of our our everyday. Um, My grandma was a great painter, but I didn't know her super well. Um, My mom's a photographer. My sister kind of got what I thought. She got the art genes, and I was... um, I was a bit more social, but it's been fun to discover art through the form of cake. Um, It's been a really nice transition.
0: So, Rose, what is your formal training, and how did you come to transform cakes into political statements?
1: I love school. I love college. It's just never been something in my financial wheelhouse. I've been financially independent um, for all of my adult life and, and that intermediate period until I became an adult. Um, and so I have no formal training whatsoever. Um, I got a lot of on the job training, which was awesome. It's such a great alternative to going to school, although I'm trying to go back to school now. Um, but on the job training is such a powerful way of learning. You gain so many connections. You, um, you know, you're learning in real world time and real world skills. Um, and you're making money instead of paying money, so it all ended up working out. And I I landed an awesome group of mentors, um, specifically when I was working at Nine Cakes, which is a phenomenal cake shop that's located in Brooklyn, New York. Um, Betsy Thorleifson is the owner of that company. She was my like end all be all um, person that I wanted to work for and I got to be her right hand for four years, which was amazing. Um, and she's still a huge mentor of mine and really showed me, you know, how to sculpt cakes, how to, how to build whatever you want and, and really just really inspired me. And she has a really diverse career background as well. Um, and so as I was, you know, feeling less fulfilled by the, the more traditional like wedding route, um, She was really a huge encourager as I wanted to use cakes to start telling stories of migration and and the refugee plight. And she was wonderful in donating her kitchen space to my um, creative baking endeavors and and just a huge support as I left her company to work in Antarctica and, and all of these things. So I feel really lucky that I
0: landed that. Oh my goodness! You told me so many things. I want to ask you a million questions, <laughs> but let let's focus. You went to you were you went to work in a bakery, mm-hmm. and you ended up in Antarctica. I did.
1: How did that happen? Yeah, it was it was a long career path of you know working in patisseries. I was the head chef and catering director of a restaurant at twenty three, which I had no business doing, but was an awesome learning experience. Um, and then ran a chocolate factory in Brooklyn and then got the job at the cake shop. And it was just like, you know, food production and kitchen management in every capacity. And so when, you know, I was like, I'm not going to leave New York for something unless it's a larger adventure, which is, I think pretty hard to find. Um, And so when I got the opportunity to be one of the sous chefs down at Antarctica's uh, McMurdo station, I Obviously, you know you have to take an opportunity like that. So I headed down to Antarctica, and for the first time in 2019, um, and I've since done three full seasons there, two summers, and then I just finished a long winter season, uh, which was amazing. Yeah. So there was no positions open in the on the bakery side um, in Antarctica, and so I was running the savory kitchen. It was the sous chef of or one of a a team of four sous chefs for McMurdo Station's Savory Kitchen, producing, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and midnight meals for um, uh, up to 1,100 scientists and support staff at that research station. Um, That was my first season. And then when I returned the second time, I got to be the sous chef for... Um, LDB, which is NASA's Long Duration Balloon Atmospheric Research Camp. Um, So I still lived on the main station for that camp. It's kind of a best of both worlds. You get the social aspects of being on the main station, but I still got to commute out to camp every day where we had a a, a secondary facility. Um, And I was doing savory and sweet there. Um, was a sous chef, and then I had my supervisor, but it was just the two of us running running camp uh food production. And so then when I spent the winter down in Antarctica, you know, I stayed and extended and I there were no kitchen positions available and I made a bizarre transition into hazardous waste management. <laughs> and so I spent the winter just learning an entirely different career path. And um it was an amazing learning experience as far as how we um manage and, and transfer our waste because all the waste has to leave continent by ship. Um, And so I was forklifting around old fuel and oil and processing um, chemicals from the Crary Science Lab as well.
0: All right. So let's rope you back in a little bit and ask how it came to be that you decided to transform cakes to make environmental statements.
1: My first season in Antarctica, I was heading to a lot of the science lectures there and uh, my brain just formats anything that I learn about into into cake. And so I was seeing data sets as tiered cakes and uh, seeing the ice sheets as, you know, big cracks of fondant. Um, And so when I left the ice, I wanted to, you know, design a a balanced collection of Antarctic cakes. and so started, started balancing the collection as far as, you know, different colors and stories and shapes and put together um, seven cakes that I'm really proud of that spanned everything from biology to space sciences to, you know, logistics of how we get materials. Um, but a big part of that process is just investing firsthand into learning and being in different places and, and meeting different people and caring what, about what they care about.
0: So what is your process for choosing a cause, designing the cake, and then actually creating the cake?
1: My process, I mean, whatever I fall in love with the most is what I want to share with people. And so it's very, very firsthand experience-based. And it's really important for me to be invested in the places and the people and the stories that I want to be sharing um, about. And so while it would be much easier for me to just have a cake studio and make cakes there. Um, it's important to me to try and make these cakes in different locations and, and with the help of different people when that's possible. Um, so I take a lot of notes. I do a lot of research um, and ask a lot of questions to the scientists, for example, that I want to share the work of. Um, and I've done a lot of kind of cross cross-collaborative research on data science and like how to visually share information Um, there are so many people who are really good at that and so i'm able to kind of use their techniques to figure out how to do that in an edible form um, with cake and so once i have the design set up then it's just baking and covering in fondant and um, yeah sculpting sculpting and painting
0: Okay. Can you discuss one of your ocean-inspired cakes and uh, describe it for those who are listening to an audio-only version of this podcast?
1: Absolutely. My favorite ocean-inspired cake is definitely the icebreaker cake. It's kind of my P.S. sauce. It's a very Antarctic-looking, um, and it's a four – or excuse me, actually, it's a five-tier cake um, – so the bottom tier is completely white, the top tier is dark, dark blue, and the tiers in between are a gradual um, breaking apart of that ice shelf. And so you move away from that that stark white at the bottom, all the pieces start to crack and you get this really fractured appearing um, transition up to that top tier. And then I created a little red, um, a little red boat, and it's super tiny on the cake. I think it's still disproportionately large, but it was necessary to make it, you know, about an inch and a half long. Um, And that is the Polar Star, which is our our icebreaker vessel that comes in so that we're able to use the ocean for logistics and transportation to support a science research station.
0: So how are your cakes an expression of who you are as a person and your view of the world? My cakes are curious, as am I, and they run
1: a really broad scope of um, subjects. And, and, you know, there, I think there's a humility to them. And that's not me saying, oh, look, I'm so humble. <laughs> um, but a humility of knowledge I think is really important and a humility of how much you understand about the world. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastry chef. I don't know the first thing about space sciences or ocean systems or, you know, um, what else, seal colonies. Like, I, I know nothing about that. And so being able to bring my art with the sense of humility where I can ask, you know, the stupid questions that, that actually make sense and start to make these things relatable. Um, I really believe that people only care about what they know about and um, that a lot of, you know, a lot of the world's discrepancies can be shifted with a one-on-one connection. And so if I, if I'm able to live my life, you know, in this maybe bizarre way where I'm moving around a lot and, um you know, making cakes in Antarctica, or or making cakes in prison, or wherever. Um, I think that that will connect more and more people. You know, oh, I know someone who went to Antarctica. Now I'm more interested in Antarctic climate, or or you know, seal research that's happening, or scientific practices as a whole. Um, I think you have to share those stories, and you have to you have to, you know, hit on different things that maybe confuse people a little bit. And I think that that's where you end up grabbing people's attention.
0: So what's next for you?
1: I'm waiting on a couple artists and residency applications that I submitted. COVID has been really great for, you know, staying at home and applying to things, which is just <laughs> a blessing in disguise. Um, and I'm putting together a collection of um, for lack of a better name, just really weird cakes. And so uh, showing kind of the discrepancy in disproportionate data sets where you maybe have a huge bottom tier and then a little tiny tier on top that shows, you know, um, temperature variables or um, biological diversity loss and, you know, cakes that really make no sense size-wise. And I think that that'll be a really fun um a really fun visual for, for people. So I'm working on putting together a collection of weird data cakes. Thank you, Rose,
0: for sharing. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Thank you so much, fam. I'm really happy to be here.
0: I have been speaking with Rose Magdew of Whisk Me Away Cakes in Brooklyn, New York for the Women Mind the Water podcast series. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website and on iTunes. The name, Women Mind the Water, and the associated logo belong to Pam Ferris Olson. This is Pam Ferris Olson. Thank you for listening.